0: Hey there, listeners. We are continuing this series of daily Holy Week conversations with Dr. Paul Wright of Jerusalem University College. I told you more about his work and our partnership with JUC on Monday, but we're excited he will once again be leading our next Holy Land trip in February of 2024. Check the Foundry website for more details, and I'm thrilled to share these conversations with you each day of Holy Week. Thanks again for tuning in, and remember to subscribe or share the Foundry Podcast with others. Here's today's conversation. Okay, it's Thursday of Holy Week. A uh, big day. Um, one that we remember regularly in the life of the church when Jesus uh, brought the disciples together for a Passover meal. Washed, washed their feet. And told them to remember him through this meal that they would share. Um, talk about Passover, what we
1: miss today for all of our non-Jewish folks. Yeah, the Passover celebration today is a big one and it accompanies pilgrimage to Israel for many people and uh, certainly the, the Passover meal at home, which uh, is a, a meal full of memory and tradition You know, if if you think for a moment moment about about how we celebrate Christmas and then how people celebrated Christmas maybe even 200 years ago, there's a big difference, Mm -hmm. huge difference in in how we do it and what we say and what we sing and how many presents under what kind of a tree and all kinds of stuff, right? Right. Uh, And the Passover meal has done the same thing over the centuries. And if we backtrack to the time of the first century, the meal would have been, as far as we know, um, simpler and more focused on local foods available, which were not that many. Uh, This is before the harvest, basically, Uh, not that many. And uh, um, remembering the, you know, the event of Exodus out of Egypt, probably that story was told, Uh, but certainly the focus would have been on on redemption. I think uh, given the current political situation in the first century, Let's get you know removed from Rome as well. That would have been a kind of a a, a subplot, or maybe even the main plot, as people are celebrating the Passover. Uh, people would come to to Jerusalem, maybe double or triple the population of the city. Um, a first century historian Josephus says two and a half million people, which is way way exaggerated. When the city itself only would have had maybe twenty thousand people in it. So, but still a lot of people. They would have been. Um, Camping out in tents all over the city On the Mount of Olives, other places Jesus would have walked through them Through their tents, past their tents Of these pilgrims, expected pilgrims on Palm Sunday And so on So celebrating the Passover meal The lamb would be sacrificed in the temple The lamb would be sacrificed in the temple Uh, By the way, according to Jewish law When that lamb is killed It was then cut up as well It was cooked in the home but it was killed and cut up in the temple and it was allowed to be hung on a wooden cross beam as it was cut up, which is a little bit suggestive of another wooden object on which Jesus is hung later, isn't it?
0: That's interesting. I've I've not heard. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, That's in, in uh, the Jewish, um, um, the oral law written called the Mishnah uh, mentions that. And the lamb then would have been, would have been um, cooked and, and eaten, Uh, In the home, we read that Jesus um, asked his disciples to uh, go before him into the city a day or so ahead and find a large upper room, spacious, um, all of church tradition. And I think correctly places that location somewhere on the higher in terms of elevation, higher in terms of better air quality and view and more wealthy part of town. There's a lot of mansions and things up there close to Herod's Palace. Uh, And so a a room worthy of an event that is going to be climactic in Jesus' life. Um, A a formal meal in every aspect in a formal setting. uh, In a formal setting. And uh, usually during these Passover meals, then there would be certain foods, the ones that are, Designated already in the book of Exodus, the first Passover, the, the lamb, the unleavened bread, uh, bitter herbs. That much we know would have been eaten, probably other fruits and vegetables common to a feast, uh, what have you, that would have been local at the time. In uh, conversation about coming out of Egypt. But what's interesting is that the Gospel of John, uh, look, Matthew, Mark, and Luke give us a paragraph on the Last Supper meal. John gives us 5 chapters. Oh wow. Yeah. 5 chapters out of 21 in the Gospel of John of Jesus speaking at the last supper meal, what we call the last supper, this Passover meal. In the conversation here, yes, it's about redemption, but it's not about redemption from Egypt. It's about redemption of us. You know, I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. You know, I am I am going to prepare a place for you. You know, don't be worried. You know, times are tough. We need to go through all of this. But I'm going to bring you through and redeem you. Uh, now, they don't know yet that he's going to be arrest, arrested in a few uh, short hours on in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, after the meal, they sing a hymn like they're supposed to. Uh, Psalms 113 to 118 is the Jewish tradition called the Hallel songs. And they go to the Garden of Gethsemane and they're going to rest there a bit before they climb back up over the Mount of Olives, and probably spend the overnight back in Bethany with Mary and Martha and Lazarus and others, like they had all the other days of the week, of 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 this Holy Week. But they stop in the garden, and it's it's you know after the Passover meal, four cups of wine. It's late, you know, it's it's after midnight, um, and you know the people are tired. It's a long walk back, and they start to fall asleep, and the soldiers come and 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 arrest Jesus. And uh, very a, mo- a moment uh, massively full of of drama, on on every on every level, you know. Jesus, when he was the only one awake in that story, right? Everybody else is sleeping. You know, pleads with God. We say praise, but he's pleading, pleading with God. Basically, if I could paraphrase, I don't want to go through with this. Hmm. Nevertheless, what you want, I will do. But I'd rather not is what he's saying. I'd rather not. Um, and then the soldiers come and, and they arrest him and the, 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 um, end game here is cannot be changed. You know, God is drawing himself to the cross, but the Roman soldiers clinch the deal. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not going to be released. And I think the disciples know this. He's not going to get out of this. World. Um, and and off to a series of trials. The first one is before the high priest, Caiaphas, um, representing the the power establishment of the day. You know, scholars have talked a lot about, about what exactly was the problem that Caiaphas had with Jesus. What exactly was it? And we, you know, we can discuss lots of different things, but but when, when power is challenged, when, when our control over our congregation is challenged by somebody from the outside, you know, we take notice of that. You know, go to another church. You know, we don't want you here. We, you know, we take notice of that. We do. Mm-hmm. We understand that. To pick a, a relevant example, <laughs> maybe I don't know. Personal, personal, I don't know. But we understand that. And uh, But here the stakes were a lot higher, and, and this was a time of history when there was a, a, a blood was shed a lot quicker, you know, over this. This was people were, the consequences were much more different. Um So when Jesus does challenge, you know, the authorities, maybe, maybe they see him as, maybe they see Jesus as an accommodator to Rome. You know, Jesus never did stand up and say, "I am a Messiah who's going to overthrow Rome." Maybe that was the issue. You see, maybe he's challenging their authority in a way that he's not Jewish enough anymore. You know, because he he thinks that we can live with or without Rome doesn't matter. We just assume without him. But Jesus never said it. We don't know what the exact point was. We can imagine lots and lots of things. Um, but but Caiaphas doesn't have you know, the right to crucify. Uh, so he goes off to Pilate. you know, to be, to be, uh, but we can talk maybe about that tomorrow on Friday.
0: Well, yeah. And th- this is one of the, uh, the conversations too um, recorded um, that I think people wrestle with when yeah. Jesus is praying or pleading or right. crying out in two places, one in the garden, Tomorrow we'll talk about on the cross. Yeah. Um, But in the garden, I think the question um, that we wrestle with is, if Jesus is really God, this is where we're wrestling with his humanity and his divinity, but if Jesus is really God, um, did he really experience the same kinds of temptation that we face? Um, Could he have said no? Could he have, you know... Or is he just playing out a drama?
1: Exactly, exactly. How, and if he's tempted, how heavy was the temptation? He's God; he can resist it, right? Right. You know this this uh, very this very same question I remember was asked by a student in my theology class, fresh, freshman year of college, actually. Mm. And so it's a a long standing question. And the answer the professor gave I think was was the correct one. He said, look when we're tempted you know and and temptation can we can we sense that temptation on us can be really strong when we're tempted we we tend to give in fairly quickly most of the time um jesus wasn't going to give in and so the temptation was even stronger to him the devil increased the twisted the screws even tighter mm. And tighter, and tighter. The temptation was even stronger. he brought
0: him. his A-game because he knew. Like, yeah,
1: exactly. Even stronger because he knew that Jesus wasn't going to give in, at least right away. And so whatever he faced was much, much worse than what we face. So don't think that he didn't face anything. Mm. You know, it was much more than what we would have faced. Yet he persisted in the end.
0: Yeah, and the promise is that his spirit is really alive in us that we have that capacity to not live into our identity with Adam, but our identity with Christ and to be crucified with him and um, to be faithful. And, um, thanks be to God that he was willing to do that. And uh, that's the good news
1: of the garden of Gethsemane. Exactly.
0: Amen. Exactly. So we're going to go to, um, we're going to travel to the cross tomorrow. Um, Jesus, I, you know, I think it, it would be important for us to mention too that at the Last Supper, um, that whole narrative is centered around sacrificial love and serving yeah. one another. That's why you know the foot washing um, is part right. of that narrative as well, and um, so we're going to see the the extent of His love tomorrow. Um, but I, I hope that you, I hope that once again that folks can find themselves in this journey and how the Lord might be moving us to be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. Thanks for leading us along the journey. We look forward to
1: tomorrow. Most welcome. Thank you so much.